This is Mike Stranks, welcoming you to this CMS Audio Mission Prayer Focus for September 2013. This month, we'll be finding out more about the work of a CMS mission partner in Brazil and hearing from one of the leaders of the church in Bangladesh. But we start in India. For various reasons, we can't mention the name of this mission partner, but when he visited CMS in Oxford recently, he told Jeremy Woodham about some of the housing conditions in Delhi. In Delhi, it's probable that maybe 30 to 40% of the population are living in informal settlements or slums. And, uh, you know, the government is trying really hard to rectify the situation, but uh, it's a huge challenge. And every, every day, I think it is in Delhi, there's... 300 to 400 families coming into the city. So it's a sort of firefighting situation for the authorities in Delhi. So is there an example of a, of a particular project? You can describe to us the kind of impact that, that the organisation's making. Yeah. I can tell you a little bit about a small project. Basically, it's a community of disabled people and they lived in a, a slum next to a big stadium in South Delhi. The people were all in wheelchairs, they were amputees, they had missing limbs. They lived in this slum for many, many years, maybe you know, 10, 15 years. They had their opportunities there. Many of them were employed, they weren't just begging. But the Commonwealth Games in 2010 meant that the land which they were occupying was needed for a car park. And so they were, uh, they were evicted. They had been promised during their eviction that they would be given land um, with which to rebuild their, their homes and their lives. But this... Uh, never came to be, so they were actually evicted just onto the streets. The organisation I worked with partnered with uh, a very small NGO who had been advocating for their rights for some time, and it was through that advocacy that they uh, were able to get the land papers they needed. And so we started uh, looking for funding for this project. So the upshot of it all was that we, we started building houses on the newly acquired land that they had, some way distant from the city centre, but still it was their own their own land. And we built uh, 27 houses for this particular disabled community. This was, a, this was like a grant project, so it was, a, in, in a sense, a free house. Although there was some, they had to provide some small guarantees of that they would participate fully in the project and maybe con- the, the able-bodied members of the family would contribute in terms of labour, which they did. And uh, many, many volunteer teams came from... Uh, corporates and from other organisations in Delhi to build the houses for these families. So that you know that achieved two things. That also got the houses built much quicker than would have been the case. And it was also the case that you know these these teams who came from maybe big banks or insurance houses or various big corporates within Delhi uh, through their CSR, the corporate social responsibility programs, they volunteered to build these houses. And it really does something when these teams come and they see. They see an area like that where they would never otherwise go to. I think it really has a dramatic impact on those teams, even just for a day or two, if they come and they see and they, they feel that they're contributing in some way to society. I think it does uh, affect a change in people. So that was that's, you know, one, of the, one of the reasons for involving voluntary labour in these projects. So the project finished in early, early April, end of March 2013. Now, it's easy to see how this kind of thing changes people's lives mm. to have a secure and safe house. You're obviously CMS mission partners. Mm. What about the sharing Jesus aspect? Where do you see that coming in? The other day, I had a similar question from an American missionary. 
They didn't know me. They asked what I was doing in Delhi. But they sort of had an, an inkling that because of uh, the place that I was in, that I was also a mission missionary or a mission partner. So they asked me about my work, and I said, well, I, I work for this particular organization, and we build houses for poor communities. And they said, oh, that's very interesting, but, you know, what's what's your ministry? And I said to them, well, that's it. That is my ministry. I think we need to get away from this idea that there's a distinction between helping people with their physical needs, their basic needs, and, you know, sharing the gospel. Because, obviously, Jesus during his ministry did not differentiate those things at all. He went around healing the sick, helping those in need, preaching and teaching. And this is a holistic mission and this is this is the sort of mission which CMS is involved in. Obviously, you know, we believe that when you know when we're helping people we are we are sharing the love of Jesus. We are sharing the knowledge of Jesus to these people in practical ways. But I certainly don't think that helping people with their physical needs. There's no apology for doing that. It says in the book of James, you, you can't go around preaching to people and saying, God bless you to people when their physical needs are not being met. You have to meet them to give you the right in order to do that. And uh, our motivation is to do, to do the both sides of a holistic mission and to not separate them. One of our CMS mission partners explaining to Jeremy Woodham how he sees his work in helping people with their housing situations in India as an intrinsic part of the mission of the church and integral to proclaiming the kingdom of God. Let's pray for him, working in a situation that requires great sensitivity, that he'll have the technical skills he needs and the wisdom to know how to live his life as a Christian. Let's also give thanks for people like him, serving the church around the world, using their expertise to show the Christ light to those in need. Last month I mentioned the recent CMS Adelante conference where mission partners and associates and CMS supporters with a particular interest in South America gathered to exchange news and learn new things about God's work in that continent. Sarah Holmes was there for audio mission and she took the opportunity to speak to Marcus Throop about his work in Brazil and especially the Cathedral of the Resurrection in Juan Passoa. That's the church we've been involved in for five years now. Uh, me as assistant minister for most of that time, working in different roles, but particularly with teaching the congregation, and preaching and looking after the young people. Uh, it's a church that's grown from sort of 50 or 60 to over 100 and is middle-class church. It's doing, I think, doing pretty well now under the leadership of a new dean. And I am now sort of freed up to do more theological education in the diocese. So I'm not in the cathedral setting. I'm not really, I don't really have any more pastoral responsibilities, but I am, of course, preaching and being involved in some of the teaching in the cathedral. It's, it's a lovely place and we feel blessed to have uh, a great church family that we're, we're part of, and the children as well. Is it a very thriving congregation and is it a mix of young and old? It's, it's interesting, the demographics of the, of the church has changed because it was the sort of church plant at the end of the 1980s coming out from Recife. 
And so originally it was very much all different ages. But what happened was that from the church plant, other churches were planted. So a lot of the young people went on to become leaders and a handful of them were ordained and now head, head up churches. So what happened was that the cathedral's population kind of went out from the cathedral to set up new churches and new communities. And now we have a, find ourselves in a position where we need to fill in the gap and appeal to younger generations because the congregation is sort of um, middle-aged or, or elderly. And we found that the younger leaders have all gone out and done mission and done things and have left a gap. So that was part of the work that I was doing, um, raising up the young people's group. And it's a, it's a work which is ongoing. The youth had basically come to, the youth department had basically come to a standstill. But we were fortunate that by the Lord's grace, really, within a year we'd got sort of, I think, between 25 and 30 into the youth group. And now that's in the capable hands of, a, of another minister who's taking that on. So I think it's, it, it shows how important it is to, when you're dealing with sort of church planting and church growth, to cover all of your bases, as it were, because the, this church was very, this cathedral was very good at raising up leaders and sending them out to plant, but it's almost neglected um, bringing other people through the ranks, as it were, to take over their jobs within the church. So I think we learned something from that. We always like to know people who spring to mind who have had their lives transformed through getting to know Jesus, through the, the mission work that you do. When I originally went to Brazil in the year 2000, it was to work with street children. And it's amazing now that some of those boys are now men, young men. And the world being as it is, I have many of them as friends on, on Facebook. And to see where some of them are now is great because I can remember um, pastoring them and doing discipleship with them. And it's just great to see how they're developing. So I think of Alex Alexandri, who is, he was a budding musician. He, I taught him to play his first chords on the guitar and do Bible studies with him. And he's now got um, CDs recorded. He became a Christian um, on the boys' project and prayed the prayer with him. And, and just to see him today, to have, the way in which he's evolved and his, he has this music ministry himself. More recently, I suppose it'd be to do with this training of the trainers and, and leading of the leaders and seeing some of my own students uh, come on so much in their own preaching and their own leadership. And, and that's just brilliant. I think, again, I think of some of the African ones um, and some, some of them from sort of further away in Brazil from the Amazon and how they can come in and do a couple of weeks module with me and, and then go back and then come back again later in the year and say how they've applied some of the teaching. So that's, that's very encouraging. Is the one person whose name you could tell us and just who springs to mind in, in that example? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Augusto Ambrosio. He's, got, he's great. He's got two patristic fathers in his, in his name, which is brilliant. Uh, he's uh, from Guinea-Bissau in Africa and really see him coming on greatly um, in his studies. Uh, I'm often told by the Brazilian staff at the Theological College, you know, you have to work hard with the African students because they have a different way of thinking about it. Many of them come with very little in the way of academic background. So when they are making progress in leaps and bounds, that's really, really encouraging. And just to see him growing in his understanding uh, of the Bible and the enthusiasm which he has to take it back to the people there and for him himself to engage in a teaching ministry. And it really makes it, makes it all seem to make sense. And, uh, after a long, hard day, it's good to reflect on a story like that and remember that the seeds that I'm trying to sow you know, are, are going to be taken further afield. And if it be the Lord's will, then this will be prospered. Um, probably we won't see the results, but we know that the Lord is honouring honoring that. 
Marcus Throop telling us about one of the students he's been tutoring. Let's pray for Marcus, who's currently completing additional theological training in the UK, for the students who he's been able to help and who go back to their communities better able to minister in Christ's name, and for Marcus and his family as they live and work in Brazil. Our final interview this month is with Bishop Paul Sarkar from Bangladesh. When he met Naomi Steinberg, he explained something of the challenges now facing the church in Bangladesh. One of the great challenges now to be a self-support church, especially for the pastoral work. We used to depend on the foreign support, but now it is reducing, you know. So now also we are thinking that spiritually it is not good to depend on for a long time for the foreign supports. Whatever we have, resource, our talents, our money, our strength, we should contribute so that we can feel that it's our church and we have to run our church ourselves. So we have taken some initiative and response is a bit good, some area, some area not so good, but we need to mobilize the people, you know. That is a great challenge. The second one, I would say, we need also a little bit spiritual renewal. Anglican Church sometimes be timid, so we need little, you know, life, spiritual renewal, so that people have more courage and uh, full of spirit to work for God. Still, we are not very much clear about which way we can bring that renewal. We have to involve ourselves. It is not some other people will do for us. But as a church, in our context, in our local place, our responsibility is to witnessing Christ through our lives and mission works. At the same time, we need more biblical studies, Bible studies in the parish level, more prayer meeting, not very formal prayer meeting, but a kind of silence and also at the same time uh, which will encourage people more. Um, because a big challenge is we are so minority in Bangladesh and uh, it's a multi-faith context. And sometimes we see another challenge, the secularization and multi other multi-faiths is sometimes influencing the young generation very much. So we are now thinking very seriously about our children and young people, how we can, you know, keep them in the right path of Christian faith. And politically we are in now trouble because the uh, war criminals after 40 years, they are now in prison and the trial is going on and the fundamentalist political parties, and they want to protect them. And also sometimes they target to the minorities, especially the Hindus, or sometimes Christians. So, and I, this is the last year of our the present government, five years going to be the end. So next election is coming. So that is why they are more aggressive at this time. So we need uh, prayer from you, especially for our country. 
climate change is now a little better. The last two years, we did not have big cyclone or flood. But at the same time, sea level is rising and the salty water is coming in. Yeah, and that is also creating problem for the agriculture, fishing. So that is another big issue. Let's pray for the church in Bangladesh, that it will catch the vision of being self-supporting, that it will know the enabling of God's spirit as it faces up to the challenges of secularization and other pressures, and that it will be able to reach out in the name of Christ as it seeks to partner communities facing the challenges of global warming. Let's also pray for Bishop Paul with his leadership responsibilities in the church. Now it's time for our reflection on what we've heard this month. Here's CMS's Transcultural Manager for Asia, Olivia Jackson-Rathbone. I'd like to pick up on what was said in the first interview. Time and again in societies globally, we see how the most vulnerable are taken advantage of, even abused, by those who are more powerful. In this case, the community of disabled people were involuntarily evicted and faced both homelessness and the breakup of their community. The Bible is littered with verses commanding us to take care of the widow, the orphan and the immigrant, traditionally the most vulnerable in any society. Proverbs 31 tells us to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Again in 1 Kings, God allows King Ahab to get away with one thing after another. Idolatry, corruption, etc. But as soon as he kills a poor man and takes his land, that's when God says enough and sends Elijah to tell Ahab that he will die horribly and devastation will come to his family. Our challenge today is to identify the most vulnerable, the most marginalised in our own communities and seek ways to show Jesus' love. These are the people who no one listens to or who are looked down on. Maybe we ourselves look down on them. We are all called to bring good news to the poor. But what is good news to the man who's struggling to support his family? Is it just salvation? Or is it also providing a way to feed his children and put a roof over their heads? Taking care of people's spiritual needs is a start, but taking care of their physical needs and challenging the systems and structures that keep people poor and in need are also part of God's mission. Let's pray and ask him which parts of this he is calling each of us to be more involved in. That reflection from Olivia Jackson Rathbone brings this CMS Audio Mission prayer focus to an end. This is Mike Stranks thanking you for your ongoing commitment to CMS and particularly for your prayers for CMS mission partners, associates and staff.